I have five minutes. <clears throat> you know that a Pentecostal preacher can preach fast. Jesus wept. My plan was to actually preach on the Good Samaritan. And, and to say that, too, the Samaritan's Purse uh, not only is a shoebox ministry, the Samaritan's Purse is much bigger. We, uh, Kim and I had the pleasure of opening Vessels of Mercy Clinic, and you know, this biggest struggle in opening a clinic was medications, getting medicines for the locals to, to, to have. And so we were able to connect with Samaritan's Purse. And, and when we called Samaritan's Purse in San Pedro Sula, the lady answered the phone. We told her who we were. She said, oh, yeah, I attend such and such Church of God. I'm like, oh, okay. And to see the collaboration between all these various ministries was so refreshing. Sometimes we get in our small box. Sometimes we get in the idea, you know, and, and it's not that we don't collaborate, but, you know, we need to understand that we are a collaborative force, that the body of Christ is bigger than a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Church of God, or Assembly of God. We are one body, right? And to see those connections and those collaborations and being able to be a part of such a, a powerful event, uh, it, it, it was just, it's, it's exciting to see. Amen? I'm, I'm going to read just just. A quick, brief little thing, uh, verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, and I do have glasses. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what, what is, Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How does... It read to you. And sometimes the greatest um, revelation is self-revelation. I can tell you what to do all, all. I mean, it's kind of like in CR. We tell people we're not here to fix one another. The, the fact is, is I can tell you what to do or what, I, what I've done or what I've experienced, but sometimes that self-revelation helps us to understand the depths has that aha moment. And it's kind of like Jesus using the, the Socratic method Answer a question by a question, you know, self-discovery. Verse 26, and he said to him, what is written in the law? How does, how does it read to you? Verse 27, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Ding, 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 ding. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. In other words, he said, go and do as you have said. Go and do likewise. Um, it would have been great if he would have just stopped there. But how many know that sometimes we like to justify ourselves? But, Jesus, but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Man. I think what Jesus really, and, 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 and I don't mean to not go through the whole story and, and talk about all the elements, but I think Jesus wanted him to understand the demands of love. He wanted him to understand that the weight of love is bigger than he could carry. He wanted him to realize that 
that, that when we are moved with compassion, just as the Samaritan was moved, the Bible says that he saw him and was moved with compassion. And it's more than just seeing the need. I mean, we see the need, we see needs all around us, but how often do we actually, how often are we actually moved with compassion for the needs of those around us? And, 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 and even then, you know, sometimes we get teary-eyed and we, we feel it. But what does it motivate us to do? How does it change our life? What does it mean to us? The Bible tells us that Jesus, when he stepped off the boat and saw the crowds, uh, he was moved with compassion. And, and many times we, we want to do the least to make us feel good. Because it's, and, and though inflation is high and though, you know, it's pinching our pennies these days, it's still easier to pull out a $5 bill or a $10 bill or even a $100 bill and, and put it in a, in a, in a cup. And, and we're not begrudging those things. But how much more would it be to physically do something? I mean, it's easy to touch people around the world that we don't see because they don't impact us. It's easy to send something away, but, but really missions, the heart of missions begins with when we walk out the door. Because missions is not crossing the sea, it's seeing the cross. And our community needs to see the cross. Our children need to see the cross. Our families need to see the cross. And the only way they see the cross is as we're sharing the cross of Jesus. There's so many hurting around us, and they question the church. How does the church help me? Now, we recognize that we can't help everybody. I, I overwhelmed myself when I went to Honduras and lived there for eight years. It was overwhelming because I wanted everybody to be saved. I wanted to take everybody out of poverty. I wanted to do everything I could to, to change everybody's life. And I realized that I couldn't change anybody's life. The only thing I could do was be faithful to Jesus. And if I'm faithful to Jesus with everyone that sits in front of me, then he can change their life one at a time. I rec recognize that just as Jesus was trying to help this lawyer understand, you can do everything you want to do, but the weight of changing the world, the weight of meeting the needs of the world, you don't have the ability to do it. It's only through me. It's only through the love that I give. It's only through the compassion that I give. If you'll just be faithful to me, if you will just follow me, then I will use you in the process. The crazy thing is it gives us two different people who walk down that road. And this is a treacherous road. 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho on a grade of 4,000 feet from Jerusalem down to Jericho, 17 miles. It's kind of like going on a dragon on a hill, right? Winding roads, treacherous, easy to hide, easy to be robbed, easy to find yourself in a precarious situation. And yet here Jesus showed him, so the priest came by, the pastor came by and walked on the other side. And then it said the Levite came by, 
walked on the other side. Who's the, who's the priest and the Levites? That'd be us. That'd be you and I. And, and that's what the world sees is that the church is too busy walking on the other side. I just got to get to my church to do my thing. I just got to get to my four walls where I can be in my safe space where I know people will love me and care for me. But who's on the way? Who do we pass in need on the way? Who do we touch in our jobs? Who do we touch in our, in our neighborhoods? You know, back in the old day, we lived outside, if you will. We lived on our porches before air conditioning came, right? And, and we knew our neighbor. We knew everybody lived around us. We could go through the neighborhood and we could talk about every family because we, they aired out their laundry on the front porch. We knew everybody. But when air conditioning came, we all kind of got back into our homes. You know, sadly is, is that if I was to ask every one of you, who is your neighbor right now? Who lives beside you? Do you know, can you name eight people that live around you right now? Now, some of you, don't get your, don't get your halos put on too quick. Some of you probably know everybody around you. But sadly, as the majority of us, it would be the list of shame. Because <laughs> we don't know them. And, and, and what's unique is, is that who Jesus chose to be the one that was the hero. Jesus chose the Samaritan. I mean, I could go through and list our prejudices. I could talk about, you know, the things we just flagrantly say without realizing the, the depths of the meanings of what we say. And you can see those Mexicans, they got 25 people in that one car. Right? We say those things. We make it funny, but really it's a, it's a prejudice. We see the guy with the, you know, riding on his Harley, a couple of Harley drivers in here, with the tattoos and the gauges in their ears, and we're thinking, man, right? We think of the person who's way overweight and on, dis on disability, and sometimes we think poorly of them. Over and over, we can list prejudices that we have that we don't think, we don't think about. We, don't, we would never say those things fragrantly, but they're real. You know, we Southerners are like, why is these Yankees moving down here? Right? right. And us Tennesseans is, why are these Alabamians moving up here? <laughs> but isn't it the same? Isn't it? And a lot of it is just the fact that we don't understand somebody else's culture. We don't understand what somebody else is going through. And so we, in our own fear or our own ideal, ideals, we look at someone different. Jesus used a Samaritan. And, and, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because if you go back 
a, a couple of chapters. You go back to chapter 9, verse 52, and Jesus sent a messenger into Samaria to prepare his coming, and he got there, and they didn't accept him because he was on his way to Jerusalem, and they didn't accept him. And here's a couple of disciples says, Lord, let us pray fire down on them. Right? And Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy people's lives. He said, I come to them might be saved. Amen? And so maybe he was identifying the Samaritan to help his own disciples to realize that I'm here for everybody because everybody needs Jesus. I'm here to love everyone. I'm here that everyone might experience the salvation that I have brought. I'm thankful that Jesus sent a Samaritan. I'm thankful that the Samaritan showed us an example. But I'm thankful more than anything that Jesus helps us realize that we can't share this love so profoundly without him. And that when we share this love profoundly, it's going to cost us something. And this is how you will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Love costs something. Love is not just sweet words that we say. I love, I enjoy the Spanish language because it has multiple levels of different words to use for love. Because we love ice cream. We love hot dogs. We love our football teams. And we love our spouse. You better love your spouse. But what does love drive you to do for those who are in need? I pray that love drives you today to pick up a box and take a box home with you. I pray that love drives you to see the brokenness in our community and be willing to step in and serve at Mana Outreach Ministries where we feed 200 families every single week, families who are in need, I pray that it's, that, that it's not just something we throw money at, but we go and say, Gary, Pam, how can we jump in and serve? What can we do to take a part of this ministry and love our neighborhood? Love means saying, you know what? We have a clothing closet, and uh, how can we go help in folding clothes and making sure that things that are donated are clean so that when they come, whoever they are, whether it be us going, amen? Because we don't know how far we are away from losing everything. At any moment, we could be homeless. At any moment, any health issue could drive us to being in the same position as anyone else that we might think has nothing, we could be there. So what are we willing to do while we have to make sure that we're loving our neighbor, our community, and around the world? That's my commission to you today. And I didn't take up too much time. <laughs> Amen. If you would like to go and see the GMC building, not Chevrolet, GMC.
Global Missions Connect building. Um, I know that some of them are going to, right after service, go open that up. It's air-conditioned. Isn't that amazing? Um, it is too small already. And it is, so it's, it, it is a first step. We're believing for a larger missions building. Amen? Because we want to impact people around the world. Amen. So if you'd like to go over there after we pray, I encourage you to go over there. Remember, if you are interested in helping CR uh, in a rotation basis, in, our, in feeding those who come, see Miss Beverly. If you want to be a part of 12-step, come and see Jeff. If you are riding, if you rode your bike today and you want to find out where we're going to feed our face, Mr. Billy is going to meet you right here. Mr. Billy's at the manor house. He's going to meet you at the manor house because you're going to help him put those things up. All right. Father, I thank you, God, for such an awesome week of Vacation Bible School. Lord, I thank you for the kids who raised their hands to say, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that we not only impact their lives for that moment, but God, I pray that we will disciple them to be the men and women that you've called them to be. I pray that our lives are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for today. I thank you that we are able to celebrate OCC today and that we're able to be a part of a global mission, Lord, that we connect with them and that we are able to see lives transformed. We're able to track where these boxes go, hear stories of people and how they've been touched. I'm thankful for being a part of uh, of the church of God who is willing to connect with organizations that are beyond them, that we are collaborative. I'm thankful, God, that we are part of French Harbor community and the Kingdom Bilingual School where we're able to see also lives transformed and the partnership that we have with Operation Christmas Child. Lord, I pray that whatever we do, that one, we glorify you, that two, we, we submit ourselves and commit ourselves to you. And three, Lord, that we are faithful to you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we give you the praise and glory. And everyone said, amen. amen. Love you guys. Shake somebody's hand. Bump somebody's fist. Let them know you're glad to see them today.